But you might wonder, why go through all that effort? Why make these changes for the Lord's Supper? Well, it's because the Lord's Supper really is significant. It is more significant than a lot of Christians realize. I know for me growing up, I would you know, partake in the church I grew up in, but to me it was just a thing that we did at the end of the service sometimes. I never really understood what it was about. It had something to do with Jesus' sacrifice, but why were we doing this? And a lot of Christians are in that boat, and I don't want us to be in that same situation where we view this as just something that we tack on to the end of the service sometimes, and there's not really a lot of significance to it because this is a, an act of worship that Christ has commanded us to observe, and he wants to bless us through this. But as one writer said, if we just go through the motions, then we reduce the Lord's Supper to mere ritual and miss out on its main purpose. Jesus wants us to know what we're doing and why we do it when we eat and drink at his supper. In this beautiful and peculiar act of worship, Jesus wants to bless us. And that blessing comes to us only as we thoughtfully participate in this meaning-filled meal. And so that's my goal for us this morning, is to understand one aspect of the significance of the Lord's Supper, so that when we observe it, we can do so intentionally and thoughtfully and not just go through the motions without thinking about it. And as we do that today, the aspect that we're going to be looking at is that the Lord's Supper is a meal of remembrance. It's, a, it's an act where we remember something in particular. And so our big idea for today is to renew your remembrance of God's saving work through God's appointed memorial meal. Renew your remembrance of God's saving work through God's appointed memorial meal. And to do that, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. If you're using one of the Bibles from the chairs, then that's on page 1718. 1718. But in 1 Corinthians 11, um, we have the most extensive instruction about the Lord's Supper in the Bible. You know, in the Gospels, we read about how Jesus observed the Last Supper with his disciples and he instituted the Lord's Supper. But 1 Corinthians 11 is where Paul gives us the most extended passage about how we should observe the Lord's Supper and why we should observe the Lord's Supper. And he's addressing a particular issue in this passage that was going on in the Corinthian church. And we'll look at that more the next time we observe the Lord's Supper. Today, we're going to look at the idea of remembering Christ's sacrifice. So if you're in um, 1 Corinthians 11, we're just going to be reading today verses 23 through 26. Let's go ahead and read those together. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what we are going to look at today. Thank you for the significance of what we are going to do today. That this is not just another ritual to go through, but that this is a significant reminder of your sacrifice on our behalf. We thank you that you have given us this um, act of worship to regularly observe and be reminded of what you have done for us. And I pray that as, as I preach on this now, you would help me to think and speak clearly, that these ideas would make sense to us, that your word would be communicated accurately, and that your spirit would be at work in our hearts, opening our eyes, opening the eyes of our hearts, giving us understanding to really grasp these things, to see the significance of your sacrifice and of the Lord's Supper where we remember your sacrifice. So thank you again for this time. We ask for your help and your blessing on it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, even though our passage today is in 1 Corinthians 11, we actually, to understand this, we need to start with what we read about in our scripture reading from Exodus 11 and 12 about the Passover. That's why I had us read that in our scripture reading this morning. And there we see that the Passover meal reminded Israel of the Exodus Passover. So when we observe the Lord's Supper today, that is actually a tradition that has been handed down to us for thousands of years since Christ observed the Last Supper with the disciples in the upper room. Now, yeah, different churches observe it differently. It might look different in different places, but this tradition of observing the Lord's Supper, as Paul says here, he received it from the Lord, and it's been passed down, and we continue this today. But we have to realize that what Jesus was doing in that Last Supper in the Gospels, he was observing the Passover that we read about in Exodus 11 and 12. God instituted that Passover for the Israelites. They practiced it for thousands of years. And then when Jesus was on this earth, he observed the Passover with his disciples. And he changed it to be an observance of the Lord's Supper, where we remember his sacrifice. So if we look at just Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, it says, On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Go into the city to a certain man, he said, and tell him, The teacher says, My time is near. I am celebrating the Passover at your place with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. And that Passover meal that we call the Last Supper, that was the Passover Jesus was was observing with his disciples. So what is the Passover all about? Well, it's what we just read in Exodus eleven twelve in our scripture reading, that the Israelites, they had been in slavery in Egypt for 430 years, and God said, okay, it's time to take my people out of slavery. And so he performed all these miracles, these plagues through Moses on Egypt. Pharaoh said, no, I will not let your people go. And God said, well, I'm going to do one last plague. 
I'm going to kill every firstborn in Egypt. But for the Israelites, if they observe this Passover where they slaughter the lamb, they roast it, they eat it, they put the blood on their door, then the death angel, the destroyer, will pass over them. He won't kill the firstborn of Israel. And that was what Israel remembered every single year as they observed this Passover festival. It was the Passover meal with the slaughtered lamb, and then they would have seven days of unleavened bread to remember how God had spared their lives, how He had shown mercy to them and not killed them, but He had judged and killed the Egyptians and brought the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. And what was the purpose of this festival every year? You know, did they do this every year because God was going to send His death angel again every year if they didn't do it? No. Did they go back down to Egypt and become slaves again every year and they had to do this again to, to get out of slavery again? No. They were remembering what God had done for them in saving them, rescuing them from slavery in Egypt. That's what we saw in our reading in Exodus 12. God says, this day is to be a memorial for you, and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statue. Every year they were supposed to remember the saving work that God had done. And then later in Deuteronomy, Moses is repeating these instructions, and he says, do not eat leavened bread with it, for seven days you are to eat unleavened bread with it, the bread of hardship, because you left the land of Egypt in a hurry, so that you may remember for the rest of your life the day you left the land of Egypt. This was something they were supposed to continually remind themselves of. Now you might wonder, if, um, if they're just supposed to remember these things, why all of the big um, ceremony with the sacrifice and the meal and the seven-day festival? Like, why don't they just read about it in the Bible or tell the story to one another? Why do they have to have this special festival to remember these things? Well, first off, this event, the Passover and the Exodus, it was so significant that it called for a special act of worship. A corporate act of worship, actually. Something where they do something out of the ordinary to remind themselves that this is so significant for us in our relationship with God and for Israel in the history of their nation. You know, we understand this. We do this with uh, special days in our country's history, like July 4th, Independence Day. We do a special celebration of that every year to remember the significance of that event. And we do that with other days too. That's how it was with Israel. They were saying, in, in our nation's history, this is so significant. God rescued us from Egypt. If He hadn't done that, we'd still be slaves down there. And they were remembering this special act of worship every year. But then also, we have to realize that in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, when it talks about remembering or forgetting something, it's not just the way we think of remembering and forgetting. 
It's not just, oh, that information slipped from my mind and I need to be reminded of it again and just put that information back in. Actually, when you study those words, if you just you know, look them up in your Old Testament, remember and forget, it will not take you long to see that it's more an intentional idea of remembering is staying faithful to God and obeying Him. And forgetting is actually turning away from God, forsaking Him. So there's passages that talk about the rebellious Israelites in the wilderness forgetting God. And it's not that they, oh, I forgot God existed. I forgot what He did for us. It's no, they chose to rebel against Him. They forgot their God. And so remembering what God has done is an act of committing ourselves to Him, remaining faithful to Him. And that's what God is after here in the Passover meal for the Israelites. It's not just, oh, you need to recite this story over and over again and make sure you know all the details. It's, you need to remember what I've done for you so that you commit yourself to me. It was an act of renewing their commitment and their faith in God every year. And so that's how Israel in the past did what our big idea says. Renew your remembrance of God's saving work through God's appointed memorial meal. That's how Israel did it. But what about us? You know, we're not Jews. God didn't rescue our ancestors from slavery in Egypt. We're not part of the nation of Israel. How do we do this? Well, we have to realize that the Passover points to Jesus. Everything in the Passover, everything in the Exodus, all of that stuff in the Old Testament pointed forward to what Christ would do. And that's why when Jesus had that Passover meal with His disciples, right before He was crucified, He told them that it was about Him. Let's look at our text again in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So by instituting the Lord's Supper for the church, we see that the Lord's Supper reminds us of the Lord's sacrifice. So when Christ was eating this Passover meal with his disciples, you can kind of picture it in your head, Jesus is there, they're at the table, the disciples are around him, and they didn't really sit in chairs like we might think of. They kind of reclined on couches as they ate around these meals. And when they observed these things, the Jews had a, a pretty set script that they would follow, and they were, of course, thinking, the disciples would be thinking about the Exodus. They're thinking about the Old Testament, the Exodus, the Passover that happened in Egypt, and then right in the middle of this, Jesus goes off script. And he says, 
I know you're doing this to remember the Exodus, but actually this is all about me. Like, could you imagine if we were at a July 4th barbecue or something and someone stood up and said, I know you guys are remembering the Independence Day of America, but actually this celebration is really all about me. We would, what? What are you talking about? But Jesus is accurate when he does that. Here in the Passover, he says the Passover, yes, it remembers the Exodus, but ultimately it points forward to what I'm about to do in going to the cross. That's the ultimate significance of the Passover. And from now on, you need to do this not in remembrance of the Exodus, but in remembrance of me in remembrance of the sacrifice that I'm about to perform for you. All that Old Testament stuff pointed forward to me. The sacrificed Passover lamb that was spotless, it was about me giving myself as a sinless sacrifice for you and your sins. The bread that you break and eat, that was pointing forward to my body being broken and your need to have faith in me. The wine that you drink was pointing forward to my blood being shed on your behalf. All of these things pointed forward. The blood on the doorpost that protected Israel from the death angel, that was just pointing forward to your need to have your sins and your life covered with my blood to protect you from the wrath of God. Being saved from slavery in Egypt pointed forward to the greater and truer salvation of being saved from sin and death. The Passover, the Exodus, those were real. They were significant. But they were just shadows that pointed forward to Christ, the substance, the real meaning to His death and resurrection. And that is what we remember in the Lord's Supper And this is a time of remembrance. This has been debated for centuries, but the scriptures make it so clear. Just look at verses 24 and 25 again. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus clearly says here, when you do this, it is an act of remembering my sacrifice. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11, he's actually quoting Luke's gospel, Luke 22. And of the four gospels, Luke is the only one that includes this detail about Jesus saying that this is an act of remembrance. And I think it's significant that out of of those options, Paul says, I'm going to choose the one that talks about it being an act of remembrance when I talk about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper memorializes Christ's sacrifice for the church. And this is probably the aspect of the Lord's Supper that we're most familiar with. It's a time to remember Christ's death on the cross for our sins. So, The Lord's Supper is not something that we do as a requirement for salvation. You do not partake in this in order to be saved. 
you partake of it because you already have been saved through faith in Christ. You don't need to do this in order to try and earn favor with God. That's not the purpose of the Lord's Supper. And it's also not a time where, as the Roman Catholics teach, where we repeat Jesus' sacrifice. That is not what we're doing here. They have taught for centuries that when they eat the bread and drink the wine, that it somehow miraculously turns, actually turns into Jesus' body and blood. Okay, that's cannibalism for one thing, gross. That's not what Jesus is telling us to do here. And also, the, it's funny, when the Reformers, uh, 400, 500 years ago, when they fought against the Catholic Church on this point, they said, well, if it miraculously turns into Jesus' body, why does it still look, taste, and smell like bread and wine? And the Catholics really didn't have an answer to that. They tried to come up with all these philosophical arguments to say, well, it's a double miracle and all these kinds of things. And no, it's just bread and juice. It's not being miraculously transformed. We are remembering Jesus' sacrifice, not repeating it. If we had to repeat Jesus' sacrifice all the time, it would not be sufficient to save us from our sins. Hebrews says that he performed one sacrifice for sins forever. It does not need to be repeated. This is a remembrance. And this sacrament that we observe, this ordinance, is not a sacrament that gives grace just by performing the routines. Some people think, well, if, you know, I don't really need to think about it. I just eat the bread, drink the wine. I don't really know. And that'll make me more spiritual. No. No, absolutely not. It is not those types of things where we do it for salvation or we repeat a sacrifice. But on the other hand, it is also not just a thoughtless routine as we began talking about. It's not just a reminder of some historical facts. It's not just something that we tag on to the end of our worship every now and then. This is supposed to be a thoughtful remembrance of Christ's sacrifice that leads us to worship Christ and to renew our commitment to Christ and to deepen our communion with Christ. That's why sometimes it's called communion. Lord's Supper, communion, they refer to the same thing. Because in this meal, there is a sense in which spiritually we are communing, we are eating this with Jesus. That he's not here physically, but that he is here spiritually with us. So again, we ask ourselves, like we did with the Passover, why this special act of worship? Why not just read the crucifixion accounts that we have in our Bible and just call it good? Why did Jesus tell us to do this, to have this special act of worship repeatedly? Well, the Passover was significant, yes, but this is far more significant. Christ's sacrifice, his death and resurrection, is the most significant event in all of history. I mean, yeah, the Passover, the Exodus, those things were amazing, but who cares about them if Jesus didn't come and die for our sins? Honestly. 
Without this, we have no salvation. Without Christ's death and resurrection, we have no way to be forgiven of our sins, to escape the wrath of God, no hope for life after death. This is the most significant thing in all of history. Nothing even comes close. How could we not have a special act to worship Christ for this? To remember His sacrifice on our behalf. That is why we have a special way to remember His sacrifice that we do regularly. But also, this is a sensory way to remember Christ's sacrifice. And that helps us experience it more. Now, let me explain that a little bit, because a lot of times in our churches, we don't really think about how our senses play into our worship. But think about it. When you come in, there are things you see that make you get in a mood for worship, that just entering into a church building, there are things you hear, like the music for our songs, that lead us to worship. In doing the Lord's Supper, it it touches on our other senses to help us experience this in a powerful way. I mean, we all know that certain sensory things can bring back powerful memories. Like for me, uh, you know the little Debbie fudge rounds? I love those things. Thankfully, I don't get them too much or I'd be huge. But when I see one of those or taste one, it is like I am standing in my grandmother's kitchen. Like that is a powerful memory that is connected to the taste of those fudge rounds because almost every time I went to her house, I had one. So it's connected in that way. And for us, every time we have this bread and this juice, it should be a powerful sensory connection reminding us of the Lord's sacrifice. That every time we taste that, every time we feel that bread in our mouth, it triggers our minds to go and think of Christ and His sacrifice. That is a powerful act of worship. To quote again the book that I referenced earlier, He says, the Lord's Supper then helps us remember the gospel tangibly with our senses. As you taste the bread, remember that as real as that bread is in your mouth, so real is the fact that the Son of God became a man and gave up his body for you so that you might have eternal life. As you taste the sweetness of the wine or grape juice, remember the sweetness of having your sins forgiven because Jesus poured out his blood for you. That's what we should be doing in the Lord's Supper. And then finally, we simply need to renew our commitment to Christ regularly. If you've lived the Christian life for any period of time, you understand this, that sin creeps into your life and you need something to help you renew your commitment to Christ. Or the Christian life maybe just becomes a routine where you check off the boxes and and you need help in renewing your love for Christ. That's what this is about. 
where we remember his loving sacrifice on our behalf and it leads us to renew our commitment to him to say, Lord, forgive me of that sin. I want to be done with it. I want to follow you faithfully. Lord, forgive me for slacking off in my time in your word and in prayer, not pursuing a deeper relationship with you like I should. Help me. Help me to to pursue you with passion once again. Those sorts of things. So how should this affect, as we observe the Lord's Supper today, how should this affect us? Well, first of all, if you've never trusted in this sacrifice to save you from your sins, trust in Christ. As we said, there is no salvation apart from Jesus, apart from His death on the cross and His resurrection. So, If you have not trusted in Christ to save you, do that. Secondly, remember Christ's sacrifice for you. Remember what He endured, the suffering that He went through, not because He deserved it, but because we deserved it. That we sinned. We should have been beaten. We should have been killed. But Christ was whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross so that we could be healed and forgiven. Christ wore a crown of thorns so that we might wear a crown of glory. The sinless Lamb of God took our sin upon Himself so that we would be counted righteous. The Son of God was forsaken so that we would be loved. He absorbed God's wrath so that we would receive grace. He died so that we might live. That is what we remember. And as you remember that, renew your commitment to Christ. Thirdly, renew your commitment to Christ. If there's some area in your life where you have strayed or you have been unfaithful to the Lord, come back. He will not berate you for it. He died for you to be able to come to Him. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, come home, come home. And then lastly, respond with worship and thankfulness. You know, sometimes uh, some churches call the Lord's Supper the Eucharist. That's just the Greek word for thanksgiving. Because look at what it says in verse 24. It says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Talking about the bread. Jesus gave thanks. That's the Greek word, eucharisteo. The Lord's Supper should be a time of giving thanks to Christ for what he has done for us. So that is why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Christ has appointed it as a memorial meal to help us remember His saving sacrifice on our behalf. And as we remember it, it should lead us to worship Him and thank Him and renew our commitment to Him. And if you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, I urge you to do that today. Rely on Him completely. And as we observe the Lord's Supper, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to do what our big idea says here. Renew your remembrance, your commitment to Christ 
of God's saving work through God's appointed memorial meal. Don't just go through the motions with this. Really think about what Christ did for you and worship Him for it. Think about your life and surrender to Him anything that you haven't surrendered. Think about His love in dying to save you and love Him in return. Let's pray. Lord, as we move into a time of focused remembrance of your sacrifice for us, I pray that it would not be a time of just thoughtless action, but that we would truly remember what you have done with humility and gratitude and worship and love. I pray that your spirit would work in our hearts and deepen our faith in you, deepen our communion with you, so that we would be committed to you. So bless this time now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.